Mediocrity has robbed many of the zeal to lead a great life. One of the things that limit us is the idea that good is acceptable. We have good schools, so creating great schools seems to appear as a needless quest to chase luxury. The same is true in our daily lives, we give credence to the norm while beholding greatness as a lifestyle exclusive to a few people, more importantly, as this book suggests, we have extended this same narrative to our businesses. As such, very few businesses and companies ever climb the echelon of high-performing status. We are so used to mediocrity that it has become difficult for businesses to sustain a high-flying state for decades. Many companies have fallen down the pecking order, as they have found it impossible to reach their potential. Although there are various factors that could have brought about this negative trend, the fact still remains that we have shrouded our thirst for success with the convenience of attaining the second best. It is better to fail in originality than to succeed in imitation, tilde Herman Melville. However, over the years, there are a handful of corporations that have broken free from this narrative. They are what the author calls the good to great companies. As such, this book summarizes a five-year study on the distinguishing factors of truly great companies, which was embarked by a team of curios individuals spearheaded by the author. During this research period, they pored over data upon data until they found correlations that would guide the sentiments argued in this book. To limit the scope of the study to a manageable, and yet in-depth size, the team chose to analyze only publicly traded companies, and they considered stock data of companies between 1985 to 2000 while running this data against the historical performance of the general stock market during the same period. Subsequently, the team picked only companies that had undergone a transition point and had gone to generate a cumulative return not lower than three times the market through 15 years. Therefore, this eliminates the luck factor as no company would have ridden on luck to produce high-performing stats for that long. In the end, the team found 11 companies that embodied good-to-great patterns. Their success stories had little or no correlation to the demise or boom of their respective industries. A closer look further revealed similar concepts across all the good-to-great companies that contradicted the prevailing business principles that we all have come to herald as the templates for building great companies. The leadership trait of executives in good to great companies is finding self-motivated people to join their team. The companies placed under the spotlight, in this study, have done remarkably well in the 15 years under review, and some have even outperformed well-established companies, like Pepsi and Walt Disney. In fact, many of them had risen from the brink of obscurity to the summit of their industry. Surprisingly enough, the individuals that had championed this unprecedented growth, that had steered the ship towards greatness, that had led with determination in the face of endless challenges, had not featured on tabloids as much as the so-called celebrity CEOs. In essence, these level 5 leaders, as the author tagged them, were not fame-hugging individuals. They would never personalize the successes of their companies. Instead, they would always acknowledge that they were lucky to have the best teams and the best environment. In other words, they are selfless individuals who believe that the ambition of the company comes first before theirs. They did not mind taking the back seat when accolades were presented because their service was all about one thing, doing everything they can to make the company win. The greatest leader is not necessarily the one who does the greatest things. He is the one that gets the people to do the greatest things, tilde Ronald Reagan this responsibility had driven them to make the hard decisions, they did not shy away from transformations, and at the end of it all, they found ways to sustain the company's success. 
Take Darwin E. Smith, for instance, he was the CEO that championed Kimberly Clark's transit from 36% below the general market stock rating to cumulative stock returns that were 4.1 times that of the general market. In the process, Kimberly Clark outperformed industry rivals like Procter & Gamble and Scott Paper, yet, only a few today know anything about Darwin E. Smith's triumphs because he was nothing like the egocentric CEOs, which we and boards of directors have come to identify as performance-inducing individuals. Furthermore, the author found out that, contrary to popular belief, the best-performing CEOs are not necessarily the ones outsourced. Majority of the executives that have led the tide-changing process of transforming good companies to great ones had risen to the position of CEO from within the ranks of the company. In addition, they had set up capable successors that would sustain the success they had kick-started. Their penchant for success meant that they put the right people in the right position, as such, the first thing in their to-do list, as soon as they got the reins of power, was to get the best people on board and cut out the slackers. Rather, the CEOs of mediocre companies were more pressed to define strategies and technological flips that would drive growth. Consequently, they discovered that having the best plan and not the right people to execute them was the bane of their approach. In contrast, the level 5 leaders had found that rather than invest time in motivating people, their time was better spent finding self-motivated people to join their team. The good to great companies are those that had the courage to confront a brutal fact in an attempt to highlight the importance of relying on the cold hard truth. The author cited the fate of two companies, A&P and Kroger, which were direct rivals with A&P leading the charge in the 1950s. However, in the 1960s, A&P began to lose its grip on the market, and in contrast, Kroger had successfully transitioned from being a mediocre company to a great one. What separated these retail firms was the ability of one to face the harsh reality that customers wanted to shop in stores that exude class and taste. On the one hand, Kroger went on to overhaul almost 100% of its existing stores to fit the growing demands on the retail business. On the other hand, A&P ignored the brutal facts before it and stuck to the business model that had served it in the past. The end result favored Kroger that had not shied away from the truth, remember that things are not always as they appear to be. Curiosity creates possibilities and opportunities. Tilda Roy T. Bennett judging from this example, it is clear that companies that choose to see facts and act on it have always ended up at the top of their industry. More so, the leaders of these companies have relied, over the years, on cultures that allowed people to be heard, which, in turn, pushes the truth to the open. To set up this culture, a leader must lead by asking questions and not delivering answers. You should not use your questions to undermine the credibility of your team. Instead, these questions should come from a deep urge to understand, before providing your insight. Secondly, the study showed that good to great companies had relied on debate sessions where arguments and counterarguments would eventually stir the team towards the most viable decisions. Thirdly, great companies do not hide their failures. Rather, they dissect it, learn from it, and move on. Nonetheless, this process does not include finger-pointing or name-dropping. Lastly, good-to-great companies have learned from the information they are able to gather. They understand the need for immediate actions when they see red flags. More importantly, they continue to build their company or brand around simple strategies that anyone could have stumbled upon. As cliché as this statement may seem, the author and his team realized that the good-to-great companies had stuck to business plans that evaded complex and insurmountable strategies. They knew what they wanted, they understood it, and they dedicated all of their resources to it. 
This approach beats the sort of ingenuity that many believe should drive an entity from placid existence to maverick status. For one, their various strategies were so simple that it was easy for the company to sell it to their employees. Likewise, this company thrived because they discovered their true calling. Instead of wallowing in the good enough state or fixating on businesses that they had shown a level of competence in tackling, these companies decided to dedicate their time to only the things which they would dominate. As such, it was no more an option to become just a good company because they had chosen a business structure that had the potential to avail greatness. Self-discipline and not tyrannical discipline drive business growth. There is a relationship between success and discipline. In many of the points the author had raised so far, it is clear that discipline was an integral part of the factors that had contributed to the growth of good to great companies. Recall that these companies had decided to hire self-motivated individuals, the ones that would do all they can to make things work. Money was not their sole motivation. Instead, the motivation to be part of something great had propelled them to do their best. Self-control is the chief element in self-respect, and self-respect is the chief element in courage, tilde Thucydides. In other words, these individuals had self-discipline. As such, their companies did not need to set up bureaucratic policies to manage their output. Good to great companies invested their time in finding simple business strategies, and they developed policies that would make every decision align with these strategies. Therefore, it was more of business discipline that won them the race, rather than hierarchical propaganda that could stifle growth. The same level of discipline should also extend to the adoption of new technologies. It is not a good enough reason to join the bandwagon of incorporating a new innovation just for the fun of it, or just because you fear that you will be left out. You should consider a technology only if it aligns with the simplistic approach that has brought you thus far. True to this assertion, the author found no correlation between technology and the demise or growth of a company. However, this does not downplay the role of technology in business growth. On the contrary, companies that relied solely on technology are the ones that found it difficult to sustain their successes. Here, the author explained that technology is more of an accelerator than a creator of momentum. As such, technology would never take the place of great management principles. You must endure the build-up before you experience the breakthrough. Just as technology would not take the place of good leadership, acquisition and mergers have little say on the transformation from good to great. Rather, many of the acquisition and mergers recorded in the business world are desperate attempts to skip the work and jump right into reaping the reward. Unfortunately, this overly utilized approach has done little to establish the sort of success that the parties involved had promised. Note that two mediocre entities can never come together to form a great company. In contrast, good to great companies that had partaken in one form of acquisition or the other did so only when they had discovered a business strategy that would inform them on the sort of company to acquire. Before deciding to test the acquisition brouhaha, however, they must have established an identity. They would have created enough momentum that would make it almost impossible for the deal to falter. Success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts, tilde Winston S. Churchill. The creation of momentum is what the author called the build-up. The build-up is an ongoing process that takes into account the step-by-step -step growth inspired by every decision, every business restructuring, every leadership remodeling, and every technology incorporation. In the end, it is this build-up that eventually results in the breakthrough, which is exactly the point during a transition that attracts media hype. 
Sustaining this momentum is crucial as many companies that had shown signs of greatness often failed to make a mark. Why is this the case? It turned out that many companies are tempted to look for quick fixes, rather than wait for their effort and ideas to hatch into deliverables. More so, the build-up period does not have a particular time cycle. For some of the companies highlighted in this book, the build-up to the transition point was three years, while one company had to endure as long as ten years of steady growth before it could crack the ceiling. S. Onclusion There are lots of misconceptions surrounding the capacity of a handful of companies or individuals to dominate their industries. Some believe that they are privy to more information, or that technology gave them an unfair advantage. However, the brutal truth is that these entities have learned to focus on simple business values. Cultivate characters and business strategies that define level 5 leaders. Invest more in people, find structure in chaos, and subject all your efforts into areas of business that you can dominate. 